Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Good name. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did just as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took her as his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. Merry Christmas. So I feel this tremendous weight. As I've been preparing Christmas messages um, since November, I, I feel this tremendous weight to say something new, <laughs> to say something unique, to take what has been in some ways just old and make it new. Like, like I feel this weight of saying, all of this is good, but I hear it so much. It's become so ordinary. I feel like I need to in some way make it extraordinary. It's become so, you know, um, redundant and so um, domestic that I need to somehow make it surprising and, and foreign again. I mean, we hear these words all the time. If you've grown up in the church, you hear them every year at church. And if you didn't grow up in the church, chances are you went to church on Christmas. <laughs> and so you've probably thought the whole Bible was summed up in these verses because you've heard these verses every single year. And even if you've never gone to church, all you got to do is watch Lifetime or the Hallmark Channel. And you'll hear these words in some form or fact. Watch Charlie Brown's Christmas and you'll hear these words. And so these words have been so overdone that I feel this, this, this need to make it special, make it new. Now, I feel that way as a preacher, right? Because I'm preaching and I need to make it special. But if I can be honest with you, I feel that way as a person too. Just a plain old disciple of Jesus. How do I wake up on Christmas morning and make this stuff surprise me again? And I want to be surprised by it again. I want it to be new. I want it to be fresh. I want it to be exhilarating. I want it to be exciting. I want it to knock me off my horse, if you will. And chances are, if I feel that way, I bet you do too. Do, do you? Do you feel that way? Sometimes you feel like this stuff has been heard so many times, Christmas can come and go, and I don't know if, it really, if I really feel it anymore. So what I thought to do today was just to spend the whole day on one word, meditate on that word, unpack that word, and make it, maybe make it new again. I don't know. And the word that I want to look at is the word Emmanuel. Um, it actually is three words, God with us. So we can take the God and the with and the us, and we can just meditate on those words until we are surprised by them again. I want to be surprised by them again. So that's what I want to do tonight. Just real simple. Just take these three, three-point sermon. God with us. We talked about this in our community group, in our community group. Um, <laughs> but I want to expound upon it again tonight. So the first thing I want to do is just talk about God. Let's look at the word God. What does that mean? His name, Emmanuel, means God with us. The word El is the Hebrew word for God. We, we hear it in the word El Shaddai, right? Elohim. 
Emmanuel. The L in Hebrew is God. So what this basically means is that Jesus is, he's God. Jesus is God. God with us. His name will be God. Just pause for a minute and think about that. Jesus is God. Maybe you've heard that before. (laughs) Maybe that's not new. (laughs) In fact, it's old news for most of us. You've said it before even. So Spurgeon says this, and I love it. Come and let us adore him. Let us adore this hiding of the almighty in human weakness, this comprehending of the incomprehensible, the revealing of the invisible, and the localization of the omnipresent. Omnipresent means that God's everywhere at all times, at all places, and now he's been localized in one place. And so here, if you think about it, by definition, God is something other, right? God is huge. God is massive. God is outside of time and space. He's completely otherworldly than you and I. And now all of a sudden, he is contained in a baby even. He is outside of time and over all things, and now he's inside of time and and bound by that. He was far off in in heavens and above everything, and now he moved into someone's neighborhood. (laughs) Can you imagine that? So Jesus is God. (coughs) The song we sing at Christmas says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, Hail incarnate deity, Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, just to think of it in that way, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. God is veiled in flesh so that we can see him. It reminds me of a story in the Old Testament. You you might know of a man named Moses in the Old Testament. And Moses asked God, he said, God, I want to see your glory. He was pretty arrogant. I want to show me your glory is what he really said. We do that today, right? I want to know you. I want to touch your face. We sing, we sing these songs about God, and I'm thinking, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to touch his face. Because here's what, here's what God said to Moses. <laughs> Moses said, please, show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see my face or see me and live Sing that song again. I want to touch your face. No, you don't. (laughs) It's interesting. God actually says, but I'll let you see my hind parts. Whatever that is. (laughs) God has a backside. (laughs) And God says, look, Moses, there's this place in the rock where I'm standing. Again, blowing my mind. God's standing on the rock with Moses. Moses says, I want to see your glory. He says, I will show you all my goodness. I'll pass it right before you. But I can't let you see my face because man cannot see my face and die. So what I'll do is I'm going to put you in this place where I'm standing, in this cleft in the rock, and I'm going to put my hand over you, and then I'm going to pass by you. And as I leave, I'm going to withdraw my hand, and you shall look upon my backside. (laughs) And just looking at God's backside causes Moses' face to glow like the sun. Whatever it is what he saw, whatever it was that he saw, I don't know. He saw something, and whatever it was, it got absorbed into his face. That's crazy. So much that when Moses went down the mountain, he had to put a veil over his face. He had to veil his face so that the people wouldn't worship him and so that the people wouldn't explode. (laughs) So in the same way that Moses had to veil his face, God is being veiled in flesh. 
So when we once weren't allowed to even look upon his face, now we've veiled in flesh the Godhead see. We can see him. There he is. I can see him because he's veiled. Can you imagine that? The God that we couldn't look in the face is now walking on earth, looking everyone in the eye and talking to them, touching them even. That's why John says in John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. What would Moses say if he read John 1? What? You get to see his glory? I didn't. I just got to see his back stuff, you know? I mean, you got to see his glory. John 1, 1 says, I mean, John, 1 John 1 says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. John's saying, this God that we could not look at, could not touch, now we've seen him, we've listened to him, we've touched him, we've tasted him, we've, we've seen it all. We've beheld his glory. This is unbelievable, is it not? God is with us. So Jesus is God. And like I said before, maybe that's not new to you. Maybe you've heard it before. But I want you to stop and think of just about how preposterous that really is. That God became a man. I mean, it's heavy. If you want it to get heavy, I think you should let it get heavy. But this is not the way the God of the Old Testament normally acts, you know? What do we know about the God of the Jews? <laughs> the God of the Hebrew people? What's his MO? What's his modus operandi? How does he normally behave? Normally the God of the Old Testament, this is how he behaves. He's a, he's a fire that comes down and consumes things. He's a tornado, a whirlwind that destroys things. He's a flood that kills everyone. That's his normal way of behaving. How does he normally react to man? He normally lets men know that they're so unholy that he can't even be in their presence. And so he separates himself from holy, you know, between holiness Sure, he dwelt in the tabernacle, but that tabernacle had compartments and special places, and only certain people, only one person, could enter into that place, and only once a year. And that person was a set-apart priest, a Levite. And even the Levite, if he went in there the wrong way, if he didn't wash himself correctly, didn't kill certain animals and dip certain bloods on certain parts of his body, if he even just so much accidentally touched a piece of furniture in there, he would die. This is how the God of the Old Testament normally acts. The Bible says he's a consuming fire. He's a burning furnace. He's a whirlwind. And now he's a baby. That's preposterous. It's unbelievable. There's, there's, it's just ridiculous that God would become a man. Hmm. In fact, one of the biggest problems for modern Jews today is answering the question, why did so many Jews in the first century believe that Jesus was God? Because it would be unbelievable to think that God would be a man. It would be unbelievable to think that God would come here as a man who's filthy when he's so holy. Yes, the Jews believed in a Messiah, right? All the Jews believed in the coming of Messiah, but not one of them ever thought that it would be God himself. The Messiah was the servant of the Lord, the, 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 you know, my servant. It wasn't God. So it's unbelievable to think that God is with us. God is with us. Second word I want to um, think of is this the word with. Let's think on the word with. What does that mean? Well, obviously, it's literal, right? He's with us. <laughs> so he came as a baby, and he was with us. But the word with actually means so much more than that, especially the word with that 
Matthew uses. He could have used a different word for with, and that word would have meant with. <laughs> it would have meant, um, you know, he's, he's a, a, a close proximity. He's with us. But the word he uses is actually much stronger. So it could mean with, or it could mean for, or it could mean near us. It could mean that he's with us. God is with us. You remember when he came, he was with us, right? He walked amongst us. He lived with us. And then he died. And when he was here, he was often saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Did you know that? This is actually something that God is fond of saying. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says it in Deuteronomy 31. He says all throughout the Bible, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And Jesus said the same thing to disciples. I am with you. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. And then he died. And I don't know about you, but I often think of how the disciples felt about that. Well, it sure does done feel like he done did leave us. <laughs> And did, I feel kind of forsaken, you know. What are we supposed to do now? Go back to fishing? I mean, for fish? <laughs> and then he rose from the dead. And he came back and he presented himself to his disciples. And he said, see, I told you, I'm with you. And that I would never leave you. And that hell can't even stop me. Wild horses couldn't drag me away. I am here with you. Do you get that, disciples? And then you might remember, even right before he left, he made a promise. He said, I'm going up to heaven to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to leave my spirit to be with you, and it's better for you for me to leave and have the spirit because it's, gonna, it's more magical. Just trust me on that. And then he says this, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. But remember this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has proved to his disciples and to us, I'm with you. I was with you. I am with you. I'll always be with you to the very end of the age. Amen? That's good news. God is with you. But the word with could also mean for. Maybe you've heard someone say this. Are you with me? <laughs> Who's with me? That, that means for, right? And the Bible says if God be for us, then who can be against us? God is for us. That's good news, too. God is for us. If you just think about the fact that God became a man, won't you see how much he's for you? He left his home in heaven, and he stooped all the way down. He emptied himself and came all the way down to become a man, a dirty human being to fraternize with men. And not only did he leave heaven to become a man, but he became a servant to men and served men. And not only did he serve men, but he died for his friends. He died for us. That's how much he's for us. That's how much he's for us. No one lies down his life for his enemies, but maybe a friend he would. But I give my life for you, Jesus said. And not only did he give his life, but he died a horrific death on a cross. And he was bleeding and he was, it was, it was awful. That's not even to mention the fact that he washed our feet. That he bled out. He's for us. And this is the message of Christmas. I want you to hear Merry Christmas. The Bible doesn't say God is against us. The Bible says God is with us. That's good news. And the, sec the third kind of, you know, shade of meaning for the word with is that he's near. He's close. God is near us. He once was far. Now he's near <laughs> The Bible says it often, actually. He is near to all who call him, Psalms 154. 
He is near to the brokenhearted. He is close, close to the crushed in spirit, Psalms 34. Isaiah 41 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is with us. Did you know that? He's near you. He's close. He draws you near to him over and over and over and over again. We actually see this in the Bible. God is beckoning us to be near to him, and he's pursuing us to be near to us. And Jesus says, I wish I was a hen that could just pull you under my wing and, and draw you close to my bosom. That's how near Jesus wants to be for us, to us. He's near us. I mentioned last week, I think, that this is the time of season where people need to hear that. God is near to the brokenhearted, to the crushed in spirit. You know, the holidays bring out the worst in most all of us, really. If you're already lonely, then holidays make you more lonely. If you're already depressed, more depressed. If you're addicted, then you're going to run to your addictions. I like what Spurgeon says, actually. He says, are you alone? <laughs> well, so was he in the wilderness and on the mountainside and in the garden's gloom. Or do you mix in public society? Well, so did he, labor in the thickest of crowds. Where can you find yourself? Either on the hilltop or in the valley, or on the land or in the sea? In the daylight or in the darkness? Where, I say, where can you be without discovering that Jesus has been there before you? Do you feel the sorrows of poverty? He had no place to lay his head. Have you been betrayed? Do not forget that he, too, had his familiar friend who sold him for the price of a slave God is near to the brokenhearted. And so God is with us. Merry Christmas. That's what God with us means. So the last thing that I want to look at is just this word us. Um, God is with, for, near us. And what that means is he's with you individually and he's with us corporately. So the first thing I want to say is he's with you. I mean, Chew on that a little bit. Let that sink in. I know you've heard it before. But, but really think he is with you. You. He has already covered over a, a multitude of sin, and there's not one single sin that you can do that would separate you from him. The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. So God is with you. And you may not feel like that. You may not feel like it. Maybe life's gotten tough. Maybe your job stinks. Maybe... You know, someone hurt you, maybe. I don't know. But just know this. God is with you. And think about this for a second. How much has he done to be with you? What has Jesus done to get with you? I mean, I could say maybe he's crossed over galaxies. If, if I don't even know if that's the correct way of saying it, really. You know, he's traveled through time and space and crossed through galaxies. He's, he's crossed through whatever separates the physical world from the spiritual world. He went through that. He also crossed through from death into life in order to be with us. If Jesus has done all of that to be with you, well, here, let me ask this convicting question. I mean, it's convicting to me at least. What are you doing to get with him? Or what are you not doing to get with him? I mean, think of all that he's done to get with you, and then, well, how many of us have excuses? We're busy. He wants to be with us, and yet we 
do nothing to get with him. I'm guilty. It's like the infinite is right there. You reach out and grab it. I want to be with you, Michael. And yet, I'd rather watch a movie. I'd rather, you know, go to the pub. So the second thing is, is that God is with us corporately. He's with us, right? He's not with you, but he's also with us. And this is, a, this is a community word. This is a word that he's with the community. He's with us. And isn't it true? And you know this to be true. Don't you feel the presence of God a bit more when you're in community, when you're with the saints? This is why the Bible says not to reject the, the um, fellowship with the saints or, to, or the worshiping together in, in the church, to be together in community. Because God is passionate about community because God is with us. God is a community. <laughs> He's three persons in one Godhead. There's three in one. He's a community and he wants us to be in community. God said it's not good for the man to be alone. We have to be in community. So he said, my name is God is with us in community. That's why we're so big about community here at Missy O'Day. Talk about it all the time. It's the central tenet of who we are. We want to build authentic Real, uncommon community, missional community, and we're doing it, and I love it. The greatest thing that I can say right now is the community that we have. I absolutely love it, and I don't know about you, but I've never experienced it in any other area of my life. I'm excited about it. We're starting to build it in, in Owensville as well, and I'm excited about it. So do you see how amazing these three little words are? Honestly speaking, I've just spent 20 minutes on these three words. I've spent five, six hours, just, you know, <laughs> preparing it, to be honest. But, but I could have spent a day on each. I mean, I could have made this a three-week series, right? Next week, we'll talk about with, and the following week, we'll talk about us. Don't miss it. <laughs> Honestly, I could have. In fact, to be, to be honest, one could spend their entire life, because I've just barely scratched the surface, God, you know, get a cup of coffee and just think about that. It could blow your mind. It should. He's with. It's preposterous. No religion in this planet has, has that. The God who's near and for us and with us. Every other religion says this is what you have to do to get to God. Do this, do that, put up this, put up that, bow here, bow there. Don't do this, don't do that. And then you can get towards God, and eventually you'll get there. And when you do, you'll become a sage. Only Christianity, only Christianity says, you don't go to God, God comes to you. And this word, us, I think Missio Day Church, who's passionate about missional community, I think we're just now starting to feel and sense what us means, really. And like I said, I'm excited about that. One could spend their entire life on just those three words. Charles Spurgeon says, it seems to me to contain the whole history of redemption. Just these three words, God with us, the whole history of redemption. It hints at man being without God and God having removed from man an account of sin. And it seems to tell me of man's spiritual life by Christ coming to him and being formed in him. The hope of glory is just powerful. It's the whole gospel summed up, God with us, the whole Bible summed up God for us. 
John Wesley, he's a famous preacher. I don't know if you heard of him or not. He, he started a movement. Um, he was a circuit-riding preacher. He would preach at one church and get on a horse and ride to the next church and preach another and ride to the next church. and I kind of almost feel like a circuit-riding preacher, except for I don't have a horse. I have like 400 of them, you know, crammed into a, well, I don't know if a Honda has 400 horses. Maybe just has, what does a Honda have? A 20, maybe? Two? Oh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe I should... Okay, 200 is good, because if it was just two, I was going to get a horse, because <laughs> if I only got two in this thing and I got to put gas in it, I might as well have horses, and they don't slip off the road as easy either, but I do. I kind of feel like that. I, I preach here, and then I get in the car, and I go up there, and I preach there, and, and, I, would, and I would do it again and again and again and again, because it's really it's fun. You get to preach the message of God. You get to preach the gospel. Anyway, back to, back to John Wesley. He wrote a lot of hymns. Most of the hymns that we still sing today that is, the hymns that are still popular today are John Wesley or Charles Wesley hymns, to be honest with you. An amazing man. On his deathbed when he died, he said this, the best of all is God with us. Actually, Wesley made that his life passion. All I want to know, all I want to understand is God with us. And when he died, he said the best of all is God with us. There's nothing better. I wonder what you and I would be able to accomplish if we made that our best of all. Would we be able to accomplish as much, if not more, as John Wesley if we just really grasped that God with us is the best of all? If we spent our life meditating on these three words. And so this Christmas, I just wanted to leave you with a Merry Christmas note. God is with us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, um, there's a passage in Scripture where Paul says, who is adequate for these things? And he's talking about the gospel, and I believe that we're talking about the gospel with this word, Emmanuel. And I, and I feel the same way. Who is adequate for these things? That God is the Almighty. You are the Almighty. You are the holy, incomprehensible, omnipresent, just God and loving Father, and yet you're with me. You're with us. You're in our hearts. You're near to us, and you know what we're struggling with. You know, you know the rhythm of our breathing. <laughs> and I, I, I confess that I treat that like a trite statement. Well, you know, I've got God living in me. I've got Jesus living in me. I've got a God who's for me and not against me. I've got a God and a Father who loves me. It's, it's, it's almost as if we kind of put you in our pocket and we say, I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're here. And yet we're not mesmerized. We're not changed even by that truth, by that fact. We're, 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 we've forgotten it almost. It's become so common that it's, normal and that we don't even think of it. I pray, Lord, that this Christmas as we, I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about Christmas Day. I'm talking about just right now, this Christmas season, that our hearts will be surprised by your grace, that you would send your son to die for our sins, that our, our whole lives, our whole bodies would draw near to you, to the one who draws near to us. I pray, Lord, that we would be moved, that we would make this the best of all. 
And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.